there. Just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast or even watch it on YouTube. I would love to hear what you think. I would love to get any suggestions and understand what kind of content you're looking forward to hearing more about. So please rate, please comment, please subscribe. And if you leave a review for the podcast, you'll get a freebie for efficient goal setting. So make sure to do that. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi there. Just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast or even watch it on YouTube. I would love to hear what you think. I would love to get any suggestions and understand what kind of content you're looking forward to hearing more about. So please rate, please comment, please subscribe. And if you leave a review for the podcast, you'll get a freebie for efficient goal setting. So make sure to do that. Welcome to the podcast, She is Fab, where we discuss all things fab, women empowerment, and life coaching. My name is Evelyn, also known as the Fab Chief Desk, and I am a mindset transformation coach. Welcome to another episode of the She is Fab podcast. My name is Evelyn, your host, mindset transformation coach, and I have the pleasure of being joined by Sarah Davis. She is an awareness coach. I love this woman. I've collaborated with her, you know, in other instances, and we're working on a future collaboration as well. So I'm excited to get her on here to have her talk more about herself and what she does. Sarah, tell us more about you and what you do as a coach. First of all, thank you so much for having me on your show. I seriously appreciate it. Um, very honored. I see all the work that you do and all the help that you give people, and I just think it's fantastic. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Um, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> so a little bit about me, my backstory. I come from well, I don't well, I come from a small town north of Chicago. And when I was 19, I found myself in the hood of Chicago. So it was (laughs) 
quite a big transition, quite a big uh, difference in outlook, uh, new experiences. I was very naive at the time. I was in an emotionally and a physically abusive relationship. And I did a multitude of different things like selling crack, um, <laughs> escorting, um, you know, lots of lots of stuff that, you know, many people would look at me and be like, what makes you qualified to do what it is that you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, nine plus years ago, I took, you know, a step back and I looked at myself in the mirror and I took responsibility for all of the shit that I was in, for all of the situations that I was in. And I really built up my awareness and I really, you know, honed in on personal development. I honed in on pushing myself and going to events and surrounding myself with people that push my comfortability. You know, I went deep in the mindset. I went deep into why I do what I do, who I am, who was looking at me in the mirror. And for those nine plus years, it's been like a buildup to this moment, right? I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you kind of just like, (laughs) you kind of just sit back and you're like, holy shit, like, this is why I did everything. Like, this Mm -hmm. is why I worked so hard and I did all the hard shit to heal. And it's to get here so that I can give back and I can serve my community, my women, and give them an opportunity and the tools that I use to broaden their awareness to get to that next level that they're trying to get to, like I had to do. So Mm -hmm. that's that's me. (laughs) Shit's getting real guys. This is no fluff. We're talking about some real traumatic experiences. Um, (laughs) Sarah, let's, let's dive a little bit deeper though, because you said you had to become self-aware. You had this moment where you looked back on all your experiences Mm -hmm. and that led you to ultimately taking the path that you've taken that brought you to this point today, but was there a particular moment, a particular catalyst that caused that awakening for you? I mean, you talked about selling drugs, being an escort. Um, What was the moment that made you shift and move away from that? So um, I'm going to preface this and say that I was extremely lucky in my experience to where my X was taken out of my life. He was literally, he literally was the last time I saw him was in jail. Um, and he was facing six years in prison. So he was taken away from me. A lot of women who are, or were in the situation that I was in is not lucky enough to have that sort of thing transpire. So I'm just going to say that one, it made things, um, a little bit more smooth Right. But I would say that the moment where I kind of, I was just over all of the bullshit was the last time that I saw my ex and that was in jail. And so (laughs) it's kind of funny. I don't, (laughs) I love it that I can laugh at it now because most people are like, you're laughing. (laughs) But have you ever uh, seen that movie, The Goodfellas? Mm -hmm. Yes. So, you know, you know, the part in the movie when she's going to see her husband in jail and like mm-hmm. she's signing in and she sees yeah. his other woman's name like on the sign on books and she's like fucking fuming on the inside and like, oh my God, what is going on? I'm bringing all of this shit to you. I'm sneaking the shit in mm-hmm. and like blows up, right? So I had that moment 
that's what happened to me, except I didn't blow up. I, uh, but I did see the other lady's name in the sign on book. And I remember sitting in the waiting area and just being like, holy shit, this is only in movies and this is happening for real. Like this is really happening to me. What the fuck is going on? And Mm -hmm. I remember like walking down. So in Cook County, when you go into the back to go and see someone, you have to walk down like this super narrow, dark uh, hallway corridor. And then when you get into like the, the room where you sit and speak to your person, they literally lock the door behind you. And you're sitting in front of like those pane glass, like windows and shit with the cell phone mm-hmm. and all cell phone, the like payphone thing on the wall, all the things. Right. Um, and I didn't even bring it up to him right away. I kind of just let him do what he normally does, right? He's like crying, doing all the things, apologizing, telling me that he needs my help to get his bond and his all of the things taken care of for him. And in a sense, like, you know, that is a heavy thing to face. Jail time is a mm-hmm. heavy thing to face, right? Um, right. So like on that, on that aspect, I understand, right? But then I, I finally was like, well, you know, I saw so-and-so's name um, on the visitor sheet. So what did you ask her to do? Right? And wow. He's like, yeah. And he was like, this is what he did, though. It was almost like he knew what was going to happen. And it's fuck, it's crazy. So he went like this. And I know some people can't see. I don't know if people are going to be able to see this. But to show you, give you a visual. He went like this. So he put his arms right on top of the table so that I could see his hand, right? And on his hand, he had tattooed my name while he was in jail. Like this, this had to have been like within a week he did this mm-hmm. shit from being in there. And I remember looking at it and him being like, he specifically told me I showed her this. Um, I'm no longer messing with her. Like things are done, you know, all the typical stuff, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Your face is like, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, so I remember, I remember leaving and that moment where I decided to like, everything shifted for me in perspective. I literally had like an epiphany. I was driving back home and I remember being in the car and all of a sudden I was just thinking about like a future situation that would happen between us to where we would get into an argument he would get so fucking mad. He would slap the shit out of me, stand over me and show me his hand and be like, see, this hand was made for your face or some goofy fucking shit like that. What? And that was my moment. Like that was my moment. I was like, there's no way that I'm living my life like this. There's no way that I'm going to sit back and wait for somebody who like didn't even wait for me in reality. Like Mm -hmm. there's no way I'm doing this shit anymore. And that's when like my whole perspective, that's when everything really shifted when I had that vision. And I really think that God like put that in me. He's like, this is literally your future. Like you have a choice Mm -hmm. right now. And I, and I haven't seen or spoken to him since. So that's crazy. So he said those things to you. You already went and you had one mindset. You saw this name on the list, which brought up these feelings for you. And then he shows you something. He shows you the tattoo he has of your name, expecting that it was going to make you feel, you know, better about the situation. But it's that reminded you of his abuse. 
yep. and you were just like, enough. I don't want to live the same life. Yep. That was my enough did, moment <laughs> for sure. Did he, I'm curious, cause you talked about, you know, being an escort and you talked about, you know, selling drugs. Was he part of that too? Was he the one that was kind of putting you in those situations? For sure. Um, so here's the thing, like with the drug stuff, it was definitely like he was putting me in those situations, right? When it comes to the escorting, it was kind of, so before I even met him, I had someone who was close to me introduce me to like the whole lifestyle. It was like the sugar daddy, sugar baby type thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for college, for young college girls, it's actually pretty prevalent in the community. Um, a lot of college girls do it. They just don't speak on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I was kind of introduced to it. When I was initially introduced to the whole thing, I didn't partake in it. But the first time I did, I was in the hood. I had a falling out with my family. Um, and I was staying with someone. I was staying in a building with like no fucking hot water, none of the things. And I owed this guy rent. And I was like, okay, like he's, <laughs> he wasn't the nicest guy. <laughs> like he, there were moments when he, um, I mean, he didn't scare me, but there were like, I know not to fuck with people when it comes to money. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was the first time I did it and it was strictly to make rent. And then there were other instances that came up that it was just like, it became something that was easy. Right. And at the same time, I always took it as a business. This is going to sound, it's going to sound weird for a lot of people, but this is the first time in my life that I really like took a step back and I looked at myself as a business, right? Mm -hmm. I am the business. Like I am making money because of me. And I took what I was doing. I literally like interviewed men to make sure that they qualified to be able to Mm -hmm. be like a sugar daddy type thing. Right. Yeah. So it was something where I, I told all of them, like I have a man back at home. Um, this is something to where it's just, you know, you need attention. I need attention. And it became a little crazy for me because a lot of the times, like in particular, I had one guy who treated me so much better than my ex did. And it was almost like, because of the situation, like my real life situation, doing this and like going and meeting these like businessmen who have a lot of money, who take their women out to dinner, who like treat them like fucking, they call them princesses, right? I'm a fucking queen mm-hmm. now when people call me princess now. It's like, I'm like <laughs> no, no, don't do it. <laughs> um, but you know, these men like cater to these young girls, to these women. And it, and it was like an escape for me. It was escape from my actual reality. And I was going Mm -hmm. into the zones where I was learning business stuff. I was having these in-depth conversations about like fucking money and shit. And I was, you know, being treated to dinners and all of these things and being, you know, I don't know, like just treated like a fucking princess basically. And it was so Mm -hmm. in my actual reality. So, but he knew about all the stuff that was happening for sure. So even though like you vetted them and, and you kind of assess if they were a good fit, did you ever have any concern for your safety? Did anyone try to take anything beyond the boundaries you set? Um, no, 
The only time, so I don't know if I should say no. I think there was maybe like one time when I was uncomfortable, but anytime I got uncomfortable, I really just like left the situation. Um, mm-hmm. But honestly, my experiences with these guys, because of the way that I came at them, the way that they came at me to understand it, that was laid out. The fact that like, I didn't sleep with them the first time I met them. It was basically like, they took me to dinner. I would interview them low key and they would interview me low key. Um, you know, I kind of, again, I put myself, I had the mindset that I was the business, right? Mm-hmm. I wasn't in, I was desperate, but I wasn't allowing myself to go into like that desperation mode. Mm-hmm. Like I did the first time. So I would say that the iffy one was the first time because it was like, I needed mm-hmm. money now. So that experience yeah. was probably my worst experience. Um, mm-hmm. But it was not, it was more like he was disgusting. <laughs> That I felt <laughs> it was more like I can't fucking believe I'm doing this right now. Like gross. Mm-hmm. I was even grossed out by myself. <laughs> but that's okay. We all have our, so, our moments. <laughs> we talked about the moment that you had where you wanted to break away from the life you've been living, right? The the escorting, the yeah. physical abuse in your relationship, as mm-hmm. well as, you know, selling of drugs. So you had that moment. At what point, though, did you decide to use your experience and that awareness Mm. to start to coach others in that aspect? Mm. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, I had. Okay, so this is this is how it really started. So I believe it was like two and a half years ago now I did my first boudoir shoot. Right. And I was at this moment in my life to where I really I did all the hard shit. Like I did all the hard work. I take full responsibility for everything, every situation that I was in, bad, good, indifferent. It doesn't matter. I took responsibility and I felt like I was at a place in my life where I was elevating so much that I was closing, like I was done writing a book basically. And Mm -hmm. I was starting a new one. Right. And the way that I wanted to do that is I wanted to do a boudoir shoot. I have always wanted to do one. I've always been like, I just loved the classy, like sexy, powerful, empowering women that were represented in these photographs. And I'm like, that is so beautiful. Like, I want to represent that. That's what I Mm want to represent. So I decided to, um, sorry, excuse me. I decided to take that time and really be like, okay, I want to do this. I want to do a boudoir shoot. And it just so happens that this, this young woman that I went to school with in high school, she's a boudoir photographer and she is Mm. like globally well-renowned for her, her boudoir photography. She is recognized by so many people in the game. She has Mm -hmm. articles about her. She has a strong community. She has all of the things that are going, that need to go into this. And when I found her, um, I just reached out to her and her and I did my first shoot. And it just so happens that during that time she was hiring brand ambassadors. Right. So she was telling me, she's like, one of the requirements to be a brand ambassador for me is that you have to do a shoot with me. Like you have to have had a shoot with me. And I'm like, okay, well, this is my shoot. Like, where do we go from? And she was one of the only, she was like one of the first people that I ever really told my story to. Right. Mm-hmm. So I told her my story. She's like, you're, it's so powerful what you're doing. 
I would love it if you would apply to be a brand ambassador. So I did. And when I did that, that's when I really started sharing my story, when I really started um, telling people what it was that I went through and how I got to where I am. And from mm-hmm. there it evolved. You know, I had started a podcast called Broken Chains Radio where I stopped it because, um, you know, my the way my brain works, I have to be doing things that I'm currently doing and not necessarily uh, going backwards. So, and I felt like with that, I was going a little bit backwards, mm-hmm. but I started the podcast. I started telling my story through these photographs, through these shoots, through this artistic expression. I started writing a lot and then... All of a sudden, I came out here to California and I met this group of people. I met my current coach and it was just like, I knew that coaching was a thing for me and training was a thing for me because any position that I was in, in life, I was always put into that position. I was always a trainer. I was always a coach. I was always, you know, teaching people how to do whatever job it was that we were doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I met him, I was like, you know... Like I can do this for real. And what is my passion? Like, what is it that I'm passionate about? What can I talk about for fucking days? Awareness, because it's Mm -hmm. so multi-leveled and it's so incredibly important. And awareness is everything. Awareness is like the spark. Awareness is the beginning of everything. If you really pay attention to it. And, you know, when I was able to recognize and hone in on that, my coach was like, well, fuck it, let's do it. Like, you're going to be an awareness coach. Let's go. I'm like, okay, let's go. <laughs> I'm I here love now. That. Did you think that it was easy? Like for you to find what you wanted to put out there, like your message, like, was it almost in- instantaneous that you're like, I want to be an awareness coach. Did it take some soul searching before you came to what you wanted to coach yeah. on? So, so here's the thing, like with me, because I, I'm someone who is naturally passionate about the things that I'm passionate about. Everybody is right. But what I was doing in my twenties was I didn't know like what that thing was. I knew what I was doing was not enough. I knew that it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. I knew that there was more. So what I did in my twenties is I bounced around. I went to different jobs. I tried different things. I went to different companies. I was with corporate. I was with a new startup e-com company. I did Facebook ads company. Like I bounced around so much. I did restaurants and everything. Um, that finally, when I, when I got to this point in being here, it was like, it was so easy for me. Right. Mm-hmm. It was hard in the beginning. It wasn't easy to find and understand what it was that I was meant to do. Right. But with all of the buildup for the past two and a half years and with all of the hard fucking work I've done for the past nine plus years. Right. Um, when it finally showed itself, I was like, it's so easy to make that choice. Right. It was so easy to make that decision. And I really, you know, God's timing is better than anyone else's timing. So I just give it, you know, it's like one of those moments where I can't even like take credit for it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I have to, cause I'm not that smart. <laughs> like I don't like, I play chess with my life very well. I'm very strategic. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm doing. And I look at things on a very different level than a lot of people, but I'm not that fucking smart. Like that's all yeah. bad for real. I'm like, well, there's I, no, <laughs> I think that you're very humble. And, and when you see that you're not that smart, I know a lot of us, 
struggle sometimes with our limitations or our skills. And I fully believe that it is better to surround yourself with folks who may have more experience, more knowledge, or you may consider to be smarter because they in turn elevate you. Uh, So I will take you saying you're not smart as you're being humble and you're just using those around you. Well, using not a good term, not using, but you're mutually benefiting each other in terms of sharing, collaborating and allowing it to elevate you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've gotten to this point to where I'm, um, because my, because I've worked so hard on my awareness, my awareness has gotten to a point to where I understand energy on a totally different level. Like now I'm on mm-hmm. the plane where it's like, I understand how it's supposed to feel when you are sitting in a room or not even in a room, like you and I are talking through a computer right now. But mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is, is that our energy is evenly exchanging with each other, Right. So it's not like you're taking my energy and you're, and I'm not, you're not giving me anything back. Right. Does that make sense? It's like, we are evenly taking and giving to each other, which elevates our level to a higher plane. Right. And it's almost Mm -hmm. like, I was just telling someone this, like one of the chicks that I, I interviewed last night, I was just telling her like, look, when you put yourself in certain types of situations where you walk into a room and you feel high and you didn't smoke any weed. Like that's the energy of the room. That's the energy of the people that are giving to you. And you are in turn mm-hmm. giving as well. Right. Like those are the instances, like those are the, the situations that you want to allow yourself and put yourself in. But so yes. many people are scared to do that. Because oh, yeah. You- or they're in situations where they're having somebody drain them, right? Who's taking yeah. their energy. Right. Right. And they're not used to. And I've had those moments, like when you're so used to having um, a higher vibration, uh, like just naturally you're built different and you're cut from a different cloth and you have a certain vibration and you're allowed around people who just take and they don't even know it. Like this isn't even like a malicious thing. This isn't like someone's Mm -hmm. robbing you. It's just, they don't, they're not aware of their own energy. So their energy is just taking from you and it's draining you to a point to where Mm -hmm. you just don't know where to move and you just get caught. That's how people get caught up and just um, stay in the positions that they're in because they don't really understand what's happening. Right. Like you have to, you have to start small, like build out, you know, the small steps. And then from there, your awareness will get to a certain level to where it's like, okay, I recognize this now, but it takes work. Mm -hmm. Like this is not something that I knew about. When I was in the hood, I had no idea why I felt like shit all the time. I mean, it just, it wasn't just like the situation I was in, but it was literally the place I was in too. Like, yeah, your environment. Oh, vibrations, right? Yes. People don't realize how, you know, not just the folks that are around you impact you, but also the environment that you're in, right? There's an energy that is constantly surrounding us, whether it's an individual, whether it's the room that you're in, whether it's the inanimate objects and, you know, growing up in an environment like that or or shifting or moving to an environment where, you know, as we call it the ghetto, both of us have a background of of growing up in the ghetto. Uh, It's a very different vibe, very different energy. Mm -hmm. And to your point, not everyone is lucky where they escape 
those circumstances, escape that environment. So kudos to you for being brave enough to develop that awareness, to see what you've gone through and moving away from it, escaping from it, because not everyone is able to do that. Yeah, it's hard. Um, I had a a conversation with someone yesterday, actually, about um, hood life and like the the repetitiveness of violence and um, all of the things. Right. And I'm just like, and I was telling him like, it's all, it's all about perspective though. Like if you don't have someone like on some real shit, if you don't have someone who is able to give you a new perspective outside of what you know, Mm -hmm. you're just going to be repeating the same shit that you're shown because you don't know any better. And the people around you don't know any better. Right. A lot mm-hmm. of the people who make it. And I, and I said this quote in that, in that interview too, I said, Meek Mill said, you make it out. Um, what did he say? You make it out the hood. They say you Hollywood. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what he, in, in my perspective, what he is like, in like saying is the fact that when you make it out, it's hard for you to go back. Because mm-hmm. especially like a place like Chicago, it's so fucking violent that people, that low vibrational energy gets to people's ego really fucking easily. And it's something that where if you go back, you're going to put yourself in a dangerous situation and you have to protect yourself because mm-hmm. your mission is so much larger than a, than a silly situation that you should have protected yourself from in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right. It's all about perspective too. Like we need someone, people need someone to go in and show like different perspectives. I know people who have never even like live in the hood of Chicago and have never even been downtown Chicago. Like that's some shit. Literally an L ride. It's like a five, a $5 ride to get to downtown Chicago. Mm -hmm. They've never seen it. And that happens though. Right. And, and like I said, it's all perspective. It's like, if you don't know, if you don't know, then how are you supposed to fucking know? You can't. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, there's folks who do get, you know, introduced to different perspective who may, who may even see like people that they know leave the hood or come back and bring information that should in turn better their life or give them the push to want to try something different. But they yep. themselves are stuck. They themselves, they're so used to what they know that they don't want to leave. They don't want to delve into something different because they're uncomfortable, right? Uncomfortable it with, it scares the shit out of them. Yeah. They don't know what's out there. They don't know if they're going to be accepted. They don't, they don't want to deal with any sort of judgment or additional hardship. So they stick with right. what they know. Right. And it's kind of, it's kind of like an oxymoron, right? They don't want to deal with the judgment, but at the same time, they're judging the person who's trying to give them the information. Right. It's, yep, it's kind of exactly. like, it's, it's a crazy uh, paradigm to be in. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, that uncomfortability is something that, you know, I mean, you know, this, right. I, I did the, the whole mini course, the uncomfortability factor. And it's something that I really built my life around. And it's something that really has elevated me to levels that I didn't even understand it would have elevated me to when I first started doing it. I literally, so for people who are listening and are like, what the hell is she talking about? 
Um, so the uncomfortability factor is this whole idea around putting yourself in these healthy, uncomfortable situations in order to level up and grow in life, right? So that you can be that vision of, of who you are in the future. So you can reach that future self. Um, and when I first started, you know, doing this whole, this whole concept, I literally started so small. Like I started, it started with looking myself in the mirror and being like, well, maybe your family's mad at you because of the shit that you did. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe it's you, maybe it's not them. So that was like step one, looking at myself in the mirror and being like, it's you, bitch. Like you mm-hmm. are the only constant in every single situation that you're in. And this was, and this was like before I had a strong relationship with God. Now I'm at the point to where you and God are the only constant in every single situation that you're in. Right. But I had to go through those layers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started there and then I started like just doing simple things like going to the movies by myself. I would go to a matinee movie and it would be me and this older woman like sitting there watching freaking um, Meryl Streep. <laughs> I don't, I wish I remembered the name of the movie. Cause I have one movie in particular. It was the cutest thing. It was just me and this old lady and watching Meryl Streep try to be an opera singer. And it was like the funniest fucking movie ever. Anyways, <laughs> I started with that. Right. <laughs> and then I started doing things like going to restaurants by myself. I would sit at the bar by myself. I would chill and I would just people watch. And then I started like evolving. I would go to the bar and work and watch people and eat. Right. And then I would do things like, grocery shopping. And then I would do things like wearing heels while I was grocery shopping. And then I evolved into uh, taking vacations by myself. And then I evolved into going business on my own. And then mm-hmm. I evolved into like being a woman business owner about to hire um, a social media manager and a personal assistant. Like the evolution of putting yourself in uncomfortable situations is so incredibly powerful, but you have to, like, if you don't have the awareness around putting yourself in that position, then you're never going to do it because you're always going to be fighting yourself. You're always going to go in a, in a circle instead of taking mm-hmm. a left or a right, right? It's yeah. always going to be this instead of making a fucking move and taking action, right? Exactly. For those that are listening or who'll be watching on, on YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, being uncomfortable is an important factor, right? Having that awareness because if you're just doing what you always do, there's no growth. You're stagnant in those situations of uncomfortability in the situations where you experience failure. That's where you have your growth. That's where you develop and continue to elevate yourself. So I love, first of all, the fact that you have this program you've developed that really explores how to put yourself in those situations, but that are help that are going to help you actually develop and elevate. Right, right. Yeah, I mean that's that's why I emphasize healthy, uncomfortable situations. Don't just like yeah. oh, it'll make me really uncomfortable. Let's do it. Like no, <laughs> don't do that. Okay, make yeah, that's the keyword, guys. Healthy, right? Healthy. Keyword. <laughs> if it doesn't feel right, don't fucking do it, please, God. Oh no. So Sarah, you told us a little bit about that program, the uncomfortability factor uh, that you currently have out there. Is there anything else that you're working on that you want to make the audience aware of? Yeah. So I am starting. So the uncomfortability factor is a mini course, which is free, right? And then um, I am actually putting together and I will be putting out an eight-week course called the Mindset Purge. Um, So this is 
going to be the basics and it's going to be around first, we're going to like week one, we're going to go through your why building a vision board, affirmations, dedication letters, and stuff like that. Um, And then as we elevate, we're going to take a deeper look into who we are and a deeper dive into what makes us tick and healing, right? Um, I don't think that people really understand that a part of understanding who you are is addressing those traumatic um, situations, because that really is, in a sense, what makes you tick on a certain level, on a very real level. Like, I mean, I can't even, you know, I've, I've been in certain situations to where for a long time, I, I, my paranoia, I'm, <laughs> I'm very paranoid. Um, and I have a hard time sleeping in places that I'm not aware of that. I'm not, I haven't been in before. And it's to the point to where just recently, um, I stopped, I was able to kind of pull back and not do it, but I've always had a knife like under my bed, even when I was at my home, right? Mm-hmm. I always had a knife close to me. And part of that is because I never addressed the trauma of certain shit that I went through. So for me, it's very important to give that to people, give people an opportunity to address those things. And I give tools that I've used directly for myself in order to release certain stuff, in order to take a deep look into who you are. And then, um, so it'll be group training. And then I will also be bringing people in once a week to do a live mastermind with everyone so that we can talk about the topic of conversation with someone outside of me, because my knowledge only goes so far. And the more people that we can get to give gems and we can get to like spread their experience and their knowledge of, of how they got from point A to point B in a, in a specific topic is crucial. I think it's so, it's so incredibly crucial. Um, and then the last week we will revisit week one and then we will go through, um, I will be doing one-on-one coaching with all Mm -hmm. of the clients that we can make sure that all of the stuff that's learned, all of the stuff that was released, all of the stuff that was addressed is able to push you forward. And it's not just something that you're stuck with, right? It's, you're mm-hmm. utilizing the tools that I give you. You're able to put them into action and put them into play. And I really, um, you know, I like to talk. So <laughs> I say they're going to be 30 minute one-on-ones. I can imagine they'll probably be like an hour because that's just <laughs> how I operate. I mean, <laughs> I just, I can't. I'm, when I get into it, I'm like, let's go. All the gems, let's go. <laughs> so yes. So um, April, that will be releasing, and I'm super excited about it. I can't wait to, like, just give back and serve my community. I'm just, like, honored to be in this position. I can't. That is so exciting. I'm excited for you because, you know, when you're a coach, you're – well, you should be if you're not. As a coach, you should be driven by the change that you can propagate in someone. Uh, helping this individual to live a better life and just elevate that person, right? Mm -hmm. So when a coach puts together a program, you know, whether it's eight weeks, 12 weeks, whatever amount of time they're, they're putting blood, sweat, and tears into a program that they believe is going to ultimately allow you to be a better person, to live a better life. So they're excited I get excited for them when I, when I know that it's something new that they're doing because yeah. at the end of the day, it's all about the betterment of right. our sisters, right? Sarah, you also work with women as well, right? That's your yeah. uh, primary audience. Yep. Yeah. Same I work here. With- we work with the ladies. <laughs> yeah. Bring it 
the ladies. Come on now. <laughs> Not that, you know, uh, it's, it's uncommon to work with men. I think the reason why a lot of us coaches prefer to work with women is because we are women ourselves. We have that uh, female perspective and can relate on a much deeper level than we could with, you know, uh, right. a male. Right. So it's not that we don't like men and we're excluding you. Yeah. There's, there's a reason, a method to the madness. <laughs> right. For sure. Yeah. You know, and here's the thing too, like in my, in my group that I'm in, um, it's mostly men. Right. Um, and I have, I have testimonials from men. It's not that I'm, that I don't, um, want to work with men on any level because I actually thoroughly enjoy working with men. It's just mm-hmm. a totally vibe. Right. But I feel like for myself in my particular situation, I see so many women who hold on to like so many different things that they feel like they're supposed to be, or they're supposed to do, or they're supposed to look like, or they're supposed to represent. And they're in situations or have come out of situations that I myself have been in. And for me, like my passion is to drive these women out of that and to drive them forward. Like I have a very strong, because I've had coaches in the past, I have a very strong belief that you should outgrow your coach. And my goal is for you to outgrow me. I don't need, I don't want you to stay with me forever because Mm -hmm. when you leave, that gives me the opportunity to touch someone else, to inspire and empower someone else on a different level. So it's my job to make sure that you elevate past me right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that's, that's, and if you have a coach right now that doesn't do that and doesn't have that mindset and you're comfortable with them, you should rethink that situation because when yeah. you become comfortable on that level, it's not a business, it's a comfortability and you're not uncomfortable yeah. anymore. Like my and coach, you're not growing. <laughs> yeah. My coach makes me so uncomfortable and I have a guy coach, right? But I have him because he's like strictly fucking business. Right. And that's what I need right now. Um, mm-hmm. And he makes me so uncomfortable. It's literally like I'm terrified <laughs> to not show up prepared and on time. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I need to be ready. Are all my ducks in a row? Okay, let's do this. We're good. And that's the way it should be, though. <laughs> it's the way it should be. Like, so so that's you my thing. a great point there. That's yeah. so important. Like, the, I love when I hear this from coaches. We're not looking, or at least good coaches shouldn't be looking to keep a client on right. indefinitely. Your role is to help them get from point A to point B, help them grow, and that way they can move on, move beyond you, but still be able to use the resources and tools that you provided. Right. If you're not right. growing, if you're not uncomfortable, if you're kind of just going through the motions, yeah. you're not really developing, you're not really moving in a positive state, you're actually doing something that is detrimental to your growth. So I love that. And the fact that you also work with a coach, I'm the same. I also have my own coach. You know, I have a therapist that I talk to because, you know, we also need help at times. We also need to focus on our development and our skill sets. And so we rely on others to help us do that with that accountability. So guys, if you're listening out there, even the professionals, work with other professionals to ensure that they are living their best lives. Yep. A coach without a coach is not in alignment. Yeah. Period. <laughs> like, how, can you, how can you see something that you don't partake in? Mm-hmm. That, doesn't, yes. that doesn't make, to me, that doesn't make sense. I mean, I'm all about alignment. Like 
When you get into alignment, things you become, I'm literally in a state right now to where I'm being pulled through life. And I'm like hair back, like, oh my God, like trying to hold on like a fucking roller coaster. Like, God, my feet aren't on the ground. You're just pulling me. The wind is like smacking me in the face. What am I doing? So you, (laughs) (laughs) you literally, (laughs) when you're in alignment, you come to that state to where, and it's beautiful where you feel like you're just being pulled and you're no longer pushing a rock up a fucking hill. It's like, God Mm -hmm. is like, but you have to allow yourself to let go at the same time. You have to allow yourself Mm -hmm. to be aware enough to see the signs, let go and listen. Right. Yes. There's that awareness. Right. Let let him guide you into the direction that he wants you to go because his plan is so much bigger than anything that you can even see or imagine. It's like, it's Mm -hmm. something that's incredible. Like I play chess all day long. His game is way better than mine. (laughs) And I don't want to compete. I don't want to compete that all day. Yeah. <laughs> Something else that I see, Sarah, in the community, and, and maybe you've seen this as well, you know, as coaches, we talk to a lot of other coaches and they're coaches that are in the same field uh, that you are. And what I like to see is that coaches at times, they'll be called to actually participate in another coach's program, right? Something about that either piques yeah. their interest or they need that in their life currently. So they'll work with their colleagues, you know, as well. I love seeing that collaboration. Also the support of your fellow coaches. Yeah. It's yeah, there's sure. enough for everyone. There's no competition yeah. or there shouldn't be, although there is some toxicity here and there. <laughs> right. For sure. I think that, you know, the, the pool is so big. There's so many people in this world. Like my people are not your people and your people are not my people period. Mm-hmm. Like, Someone could like the both of us, but someone would probably gravitate towards you more than they would me. Right. And that's fine. Like, I, like there's no, there's no hard feelings or I don't feel any type of way about that because I know that mm-hmm. the people who are going to come to me are going to get what I can give. If someone right. who gravitates towards you more comes to me, I can't give because they're not going to get what I'm trying to give them because they're not my people. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, I do think healthy competition is good. I don't think competition is a bad thing. I think that when the competition, um, like feeds your ego on a certain <laughs> sense, right? When your competition becomes like a gnawing, like that, that, uh, what's that, like Pac Man eating the yeah. fucking, the, right? When you're, <laughs> when competition becomes like too involved in your ego, then it becomes something that can, that can, really alter how you operate your business mm-hmm. and on a deeper level, like how you operate in life. Right. Right. So healthy competition is great, but having that competition be like the only thing that's, that drives you is, is an unhealthy situation and it should be checked real fucking quick. Agreed. We're all about the healthy components, healthy aspects, positive, not the negative draining forces. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> no, no bitch fights, no cat fights over here. Right? Let's stay away from no. that. <laughs> I'm all about the positive energy. Don't come at me with that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So right. Sarah, we talked about the uncomfort- uncomfortability factor at your mini program. And we talked yes. about the new program you're putting out there that is eight weeks. You said starting April 1st. I don't know if it's going to be April 1st. I think it's probably, I, I want to start it after Easter. Like I okay. want people to have like their Easter time, their family time, and really like 
you know, <laughs> I was going to be like, <laughs> get around their family and then be like, oh my God, I need to change. <laughs> and then I'll come in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in, in other words, it's coming soon, maybe, maybe sometime in early April, but how can yeah, folks right. stay in touch with you and kind of follow up to see where you are? Sure. Um, so at Aspiring Sarah D, you can find me at Aspiring Sarah D on any social platform. Um, and then if you want to join the all women's private Facebook group, it's at Aspiring You. Um, and if you go to like my Facebook page or my Instagram page, you can find the link to it easily. So I made it super easy for everyone. <laughs> Yay! Easy is awesome. And guys, we're going to post, as usual, all the details in the podcast details so you can easily access and connect with both of us. So Sarah, before I let you go, any last comments you want to share with the audience? Um, You know, I just kind of want to tell people, like, it's okay. I don't know why I feel the need to say this. I feel like this is for someone in particular. Um, but it's okay to like, not like what you see when you look in the mirror. Like that is okay. You know, there's a lot of this whole, um, this is definitely for someone. There's a lot of this, this thing going around, around right now to where it's like, just love yourself, just love yourself, just love yourself. Right. Um, but if you don't love what you see when you look in the mirror, Loving yourself is allowing yourself to change and evolve and adapt out of that situation, right? It's not just seeing what's on the surface and being like, well, I should love what I see, even though, you know, my arm fat really bothers me, or I don't like the way that I treat my friends. I don't like the way that I treat my family. I don't like the way I walk into a room because I don't stand as tall as I think I should. And, you know, I, I want to wear this dress, but I don't love the way, um, it makes me feel when I put it on, but I like the way that this one makes me feel when I put it on. Like it's okay to look in the mirror and not love what you see. Love is understanding that allowing yourself to adapt and evolve and to change that and take the steps to be that, that vision that you want. Like that is true self-love. It's not this just love yourself. Loving yourself is allowing Mm -hmm. yourself to change. For sure. That's, That's a great say. message. I mean, we're only human, right? We're not always going to be on the positivity train. We're going to all have our moments. We're all going to look in the mirror and dislike something at one point or another. It's what you do right. with that, right? How you alter that perception and what action you take towards changing or altering right. what you yes. dislike, right? Exactly. That is yep. a great message. So for those of you <laughs> listening, somebody out there or most of you out there, might have needed that little bit of wisdom. Yeah, for sure. Sarah, I'm so grateful for you. Grateful that you (laughs) joined me today, that you told us, you know, a bit about your story and shared with us, you know, your offering and how you can help others. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you so incredibly much. You have no idea. And I can't wait for the future together. Girl, we're going to rock this. I am so glad to have you. And that reminded me before we, you know, cut this off, guys, we are doing a live collaboration on IG. Come on, Sarah. How do we forget to talk about this? (laughs) We are doing a live collab April 10th. 
11 a.m. Pacific Standard, you're going to have a mindset coach, myself, awareness coach, Sarah, and love coach, Alejandra, all three of us talking about various topics and answering any questions you may have. So don't forget to connect and join us for that session. Yes, for sure. I'm so excited. It's going to be, it's going to be a killer killer session. Lots of good information I can already tell. (laughs) Yes, I'm super excited too. Again, April 10th, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard. We will see you there. Again, thanks, Sarah, for joining me today. All right, everyone. As I always say, preparation, accountability, execution, and resolve are keys to your success. Until next time. So as you know by now, we're all about informing and empowering women. Well, now there's the addition of the She Is Fab shop where there is empowered fashion, printables, journals, mugs, and face masks. Check it out at www.sheisfab.net. That way you can purchase something for the lady, woman, or girl in your life. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.